Facebook, we're live here. We're live on Facebook on Judo Steve right now. I'm trying to get it to go to. Um, yep, get that mic closer to you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's way better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Yeah, we're live. We're good. Good evening, people. I'm Judo Steve. With us, we have the co host, Josh, and. What's up, guys? Austin. He's my brother. The, the other long. The other long. Yeah, actually, there's one more. Oh, shit. Yeah, there's, there's an more, older one. There's more of you. Yeah, there's, there's he's a more. chef. He's not a merchant mariner like us, though. So. so he's not cool. Yeah, he's but cool. He but he can throw down some mean food. He can, he yeah, can cook. He, he can definitely cook for sure. He's a really good cook. <clears throat> what do you think about this place, man? Uh, I like it a lot. You guys got a good setup going on here. I like the... Uh, Josh walked me around earlier. Showed me the uh, image... You guys have painted for the gym dojo. I think it's gonna be really sick. It's gonna be awesome. right. Wow. How'd you like class? What'd you think about that? Class was fun. Uh, <clears throat> a little different from where I came from, but um, you know, all in all, I think what you guys are doing here is really great. Uh, I like your style. You know, casual, but also. Keeping everyone engaged, walking around, making sure everyone's doing the right that, thing. Awesome. Yeah, I like hearing, like when other people from other gyms come in and they're like, "All right, that's a little different taste. I like yeah. that." Or yeah, I don't. Critique so, <clears throat> to me is huge. Um, the the professor there was basically like a second dad to me. Like day one, junior? he was like, "You're my son." Yeah, mm-hmm. junior. Yep. Um, love that guy. Such a good dude. Um, and he, you know, he, he was one of those guys that everybody's family. And that's the vibe. I, what you were talking about at the end there, that's the kind of tr- gym I want to train at, you know, where everyone is included. If this isn't your home, why are you here, you know? And that, that I mean, I brought my friend in, uh, and he had a, gosh, how old was that kid at that time? Probably seven or eight months. And he stayed for a little while to train and his wife had to go home, take care of the other kids. And he was like, well, I gotta go home because I got my son here. He said, no, 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 you stay and train. JR walked around with a baby oh, yeah. <laughs> teaching class. <laughs> so kind of the, you know, atmosphere is like- That's awesome. It's, it feels similar here. You guys created Yeah, to me that's, that's huge. We, we love hearing things like that because, you know, we, when we got together, you know, we, we really sat down, you know, um, Unlike my other partner, we didn't get to sit down and talk about what our vision is here. Yeah. And, uh, we we actually were able to sit down and dial in what we want and what we're going to do and not just, yeah, let's just do it. You're right. But we actually, there's no wing in it. Like it's, you got to do it. Yeah. And um, man, it's been a, it's been a nice roller coaster. Has it? Oh man. It's, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, definitely better. He knows I won't blow smoke up his ass. Like it's, it's like. <laughs> it's it's a fine wine. It's so nice. Dude. It's so nice. I don't have to worry about, you know, if I can't make it or I'm gonna be two minutes late. I know he can handle class. Yeah. Um. Or get ready somebody to warm up. Or if somebody walks in the door, can he handle membership? Or can yeah. he handle? Yeah. Like. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, trying to do all that stuff by yourself, I can't imagine. I mean, that's 
It's, Man, it's probably gotta, tough when I'm gone, you know. I, it's, I'm sure it's tough when I'm gone, you know. Yeah, it's, it gets it's overwhelming at times, but, you know, it's not my first rodeo. But yeah. I, it's nice when he's here because I can lean on somebody. Hey, we need to get this done. All right, cool. No worry. I got that. I'll take that off your plate. Yeah. So it's super cool. But enough about us. <laughs> Let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> what you got? What you want to ask? So when did you start training? I want to know that. That's, <clears> the good, that's the meat and potatoes for me. Yeah. Um. So 2016, we moved from Tampa, Florida up to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and kind of looked around the area. I knew zero. It's the Atticus. <laughs> What's up, buddy? <clears throat> yeah, we moved, and like I said, I, I knew zero about jujitsu. I think I, we did maybe a year or two of karate when we were younger. I knew nothing yeah, about martial like arts. But I just kind of always had that mindset, that, that spirit of wanting to do something that was geared towards martial arts. And I just never felt a pool until I actually started. Like once I started, it was immediate. Like I was roped in. And <clears throat> like I said before, the, the, pro the owner, the professor of that gym was just so inviting. His son helped train. Um, his son was, I think his son got his black belt a year or two ago. And um, it, it was just an, an immediate draw to the sport itself. You know, seeing, and seeing my kids. So when we were there, um, <clears throat> there was uh, two kids' classes and then the adult class. And we went every Tuesday, Thursday. And I would, I would help out. As soon as I started, I would help out the whole, like, four hours that we were there. So I would help train the kids. Um, I would help with, you know, getting them in the right position and all of that kind of stuff. And, man, it was just, it was such a good bonding experience with me and my kids. Taking too much from the last minute. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and uh, so we, uh, yeah, we got, we got settled in pretty quickly. Um, I would sometimes go at 5 a.m. and train. Um, we got we signed up my two boys for a tournament, I think about a year after we started. We did uh, grappling games, I think, first. Mm -hmm. And then right after they went, I mean, I'm out there like one of those crazy parents that like the football, I'm like, Joker out, like the arm bar, <laughs> like <laughs> screaming at him and stuff. And uh, so then after that, I went and did a competition and got hooked. I was hooked. Yeah, I was hooked real bad. Um, you meddled there, didn't you? Got metal. I, I took second. Um, I would say I was about two or three seconds from taking first, just by points. So does that really count? I don't know. <laughs> but I did. I won my first. I won my first uh, bout with a uh, Americana, and and then the second one, the guy was he had better technique and he was a little stronger. I actually competed up in weight class at that time. Um, because I was hovering, I was powerlifting as well at the time, and I was hovering in and out of like that low 200 range. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> anyways, right after the tournament, the next week I went back to training and we did a king of the mat. And the guy that was standing behind me was like 6'6", all of 300 plus pounds, and he landed on my knee and it went off like a damn shotgun. And I remember, I remember 
the guy across the mat that was training, he goes, oh, fuck, I heard that. <laughs> and <laughs> tore my ACL meniscus, <clears throat> stopped for a little while, and then came back about a year, year later, um, got the kids back into it, went in real easy. And so my training's been real hectic, real off and on kind of mentality. Um, and of course, you know, being a merchant mariner and working offshore, like I don't get all the time to train and probably the past six months, I haven't, I haven't done any training. So it was definitely good to get back out on the mats tonight and yeah. start rolling. And that's awesome, know. man. Yeah, it was, it was great. It's funny I, know, I know for him, it's gotta be awesome. You know? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that was awesome. We don't get to train together a lot, period. Like even like when we were both kind of powerlifting and bodybuilding and all that stuff and lifting heavy and. Uh, very limited stuff. I mean, we worked together on the boat for a while, so we did get to do it there, but it's pretty cool to have you in my own place and train with you on the mats. It's pretty fun. Yeah, the, like, um, likewise, brother. Likewise. It's really funny that your first tournament win came from an Americana because that's, that's how I won my first matches nice. in a tournament that I actually won. My first tournament, I didn't win any. I was one match and done. Oh, was, really? We were 16 people in the division, so it was. Oh, I got a, I got one fight. What, you got to tell a, him how you won that match that nobody was watching. Yeah, nobody <laughs> nobody saw that match. That's crazy. Nobody but the old uh, the old the other guy. That guy, the guy we shall not name. So we don't. <laughs> he get, who must not be named. Yeah, that way we don't get sued. We might get sued if we if we mention his name on the podcast. It's <laughs> a possibility. You never know. Um, yeah, so uh, I had a match previous to that, and so I won two matches that day, but there was a match in between, it was three matches, and, um, or no, yeah, 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 I won, no, my first match I lost, right? You lost your first match and yeah. then won, won the rest. And then won the rest, but that second match was the one that nobody saw, and I lost in a belly down arm bar, and like my my whole arm went numb, and I thought like, like my elbow hurt. I, I thought I messed it up bad. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was had to have the medic come out and ice my elbow down. And really, everybody kind of thought I was done. I thought I was done. I didn't, I didn't even think I had another match because it was kind of a little bit of disorganization going on. And they, uh, they were like, you're up next. And I was like looking over on the other side where everybody was. And there was nobody there except for uh, Chachi, Josh. He's the kid that we were telling. I was telling you about the trains here. And Atticus was over there. And... Um, Josh runs and finds whoever he can find. He finds the other, uh, the other coach at the time. And uh, um, yeah, I uh, I went from I had him in my guard. I swept him, swept to the top to mount, and uh, I got you know I got it was like I got six points right there because I went from you know swept and then to mount, which was four points. So it was six points. So I was up in points because he was up two to nothing, and then I was up six to two, and then. Um, he couldn't get me off. I stayed on mount the rest of the way. And, um, like with about 29 seconds left, I, I'm finished with an Americano, but nobody, nobody in the whole Academy, except no for, one was there to except for Josh. <laughs> I was so pissed off. Josh, Chachi, <laughs> Josh, Chachi, we call him Chachi. He was there. Atticus was there, which is really cool that he was there. And then, he um, who must not be named. He who must not be named. <laughs> he coached me too, which was kind of impressive. He actually to, he actually did a fair consistent, I was never really impressed with his abilities, but he did a fairly good job coaching me that day. Nice. I, I need to stop. I'm talking really bad. Yeah, shit right now, yeah no, no bad juju. <laughs> hey, those that are watching, uh, we appreciate you guys logging in. What we're going to do is we're going to transfer this video, save it, and put it onto the uh, Lifting Others podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and uh, upload it to the Apple, Spotify, and what else? 
Uh, we're Apple, Google, Amazon. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Now we're good. Now we're live. We're back. Took a little break there. Got interrupted. Now we're back. We were talking about uh, why we were off. We were talking about technology. 20 years ago, we were talking about a Cairo Sierra cell phone. Oh, my goodness. That was what I had in high school. But that's, that is crazy, though. Like right now, we're fixing to go live again on Facebook. And you think about 20 years ago, we were all in high school, and you couldn't even text on that phone. You had AIM. You had AIM. Chat rooms. And, and <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember how you text on those old phones? You had a... T9. T9? T9. You had to tap those buttons. I think on, the, on that Kyra series, I don't even think you tapped. I think you had to like press right, up. We were live. Live nice. back on Facebook. All right. Hello, Facebook. Shout out to Todd Atkins. He commented on our first post there. For sure. We'll definitely come on your show, and then you can come on ours. How about that? A little bit of deal there. <laughs> Would love to do your show, Todd. I listen to it quite frequently. It's a really good show. Love to do you, Todd. Oh. Touche. So, yeah, we were kind of talking about uh, your journey to Tennessee there. Yeah. Um, and training. I need to hurry up. <laughs> we can go right to it. So, so those that don't know that are listening, Austin is a merchant mariner just like me. Yeah, hold on. Give us, give us a quick bio. Let's do this right. Okay, okay. All right, so we'll back up a little bit. Um, we can branch off later on kind of into some of the shit I dealt with, drug use and all that crap. But right out of high school, did not care about college, had no interest in it. I actually showed up to my AC, ACT test like completely hungover, <laughs> no sleep. And, He's not lying. He did. Yeah, and, and, and I dipped. If you are a child and you are watching this, please do not do this. <laughs> and I, I dipped. I left the test. Um, and yeah, so fast forward a few years. Um, I think my dad kind of realized just... I wasn't really meant for college, so he starts sending me links to all these different trade schools. And he's like, hey, here's this one, here's this one. And <clears throat> big adrenaline junkie. Always have been, always like the thrill of getting that heart rate going, feeling like you're on the edge of death a little bit. Absolutely, um, yes, sir. <laughs> so he, he sent me a uh, commercial diving link to the school in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was like, ooh. That looks like fun. Like I could do that as a job. That doesn't feel like a job. That's what I wanted. It was something that doesn't feel like a job, but it's still a job. So went to school. Um, I got sober-ish. I, I quit doing drugs. I still drank with the guys there. I was, uh, I was the youngest kid in my class. I was 20. I wasn't even 21 yet. I turned 21 in dive school. And there was a CB Marine named Dustin that went to school with me. And we, we kind of bonded quick. He was a little bit older than me. He was probably 27, 28, <clears throat> fresh out of the Marines. And like, <laughs> we would meet at the gas station before school and pound like two or three beers <laughs> and take a shot out of a bottle of whiskey and then go to class. And this is all going on while supposedly drug testing's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, okay. <laughs> There's only one drug test that you have to pass in that, in that particular dive school, and it's in your senior month. So it's four months long. It's the accelerated program. And you go, you do PT training every morning 
And at the time, there was a retired uh, drill instructor that was the PT instructor. And oh, he, was, he had me laughing so hard. I mean, just the shit that would come out of his mouth. Like, he'd run up to you and be like, you look like a wounded duck trying to take flight. Come on, pick up those legs. And just screaming at these guys like they're in the military, and but they're at, like, a private school. <laughs> and so... It was uh it was it was an interesting experience for sure. Um <clears throat> yeah, growing up, Josh and um my brother Ryan and my dad and I, we all did scuba diving. For, yeah, I was Shout out Todd Gatkins. What's up, Todd? Um We need to in the future pipe this audio into the The sound is choppy. Um yeah, so it is choppy on the Wi-Fi, um, but uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take the recording. We have it recorded on the... We're recording it into a Mac, into GarageBand right now. There you go. We will be using Logic Pro eventually. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. So yeah, you, so you dove when... We all dove growing up. Which, yeah, we all, dove, you know. we all dove growing up. So, uh, you know, I was pretty familiar with the water. Uh, we had a guy from Georgia that never dove before came to dive school he was also uh in the military i think he was army though um <clears throat> yeah it was a very interesting experience um going through school you train in tanks and you train in the river there um it's it's blacked out you know when you're in the river you don't it's like go into the darkest room in your house close your eyes and that's what it feels like in that kind of diving it's like being a firefighter going into a yeah covered in yeah smoke. it kind of is yeah. except for you don't have to carry the gear <laughs> it's, it's you're kind of suspended you don't have the gear but you yeah. still have the darkness and you it's have no darkness visibility, um, negative visibility so anyways yeah me me and this guy um we well uh, we all have a senior project when you go through dive school and you it's just stuff to get you ready for diving and basically the whole class we all just got smashed and we're diving like we're literally drunk in the water. I'm like, how much dumber can you get? But this is a diver. Like this is how like like that's the people industry, people. Right? Are, yeah, that's the industry. Most divers are if you don't have a divorce and a DUI, <laughs> are you even a diver? You got that checked off, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do have both of those. Well, I don't have a DUI. I, I actually um, that's a good thing. That's I, I managed thing. to escape by the skin of my teeth on that one. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess some of the crazier things I did while diving, um, right out of school, I worked for a company in uh, Tampa, Florida, just a little outfit, and I think it was probably within the first month of working there, we worked at the um, uh, Crystal River Nuclear Power Plant, and we get there, and the owner of the company is like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to get in the water, and we're going to give you this uh, little tiny scraper and you're going to crawl into this pipe that's three foot wide and you're going to crawl 500 foot horizontally. And when you get to the end, you're going to come to like a room, like a concrete room about this size. And you're going to climb up a, a, a ladder. You're going to D hat. And there's going to be a security guard there waiting with a sandwich this is and, and a diving, bottle right? of water. Yeah. You're in a, you're in a, you're in a hat. You're like in a hard hat. It's, you know, you got an umbilical attached to you. So, you know, everything's, 
all your air is supplied from up top by a compressor. It's not self-contained <clears throat> like in scuba, you know, so you're getting air from, but you're crawling in this. Yeah, so, I mean, again. Probably contaminated as, air he's taking in. <laughs> well, I mean, it is the Crystal River nuclear power. <laughs> so while you're glowing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another interesting story. I went into one power plant that had this, uh, I don't know, it was like some sort of, you know, microbiological growth in there. And when you would wipe your hand on the wall, oh, wall it would glow green. Gross. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I did That's a couple, healthy. Yeah, right. I did I did another job in the thank Everglades. You, thank you, OSHA. Yeah. Wow. I did OSHA another job in the Everglades where it was, I, I got down into the little manhole and I cr- climbed down the cl- catwalk up above the water and I had a little dive light. I wasn't in the water yet. I was up on a catwalk. And I had my dive light attached to my hat and... I scan across the wall, and I, all I see is this wall of bugs moving. I mean, cockroaches and spiders and whatever other Florida swamp creatures that you could want to think about, just moving the whole wall. It was, it was probably one of the craziest situations I've ever been in. And I get into the water, and our job was to suck out this like lake grass that had been clogging up their pumps. So we go down there with this like power plant too. Yeah, it was a power plant out in the Everglades. Yep. And we go down there with this like underwater vacuum. They call it a dredge and you suck up all of this. So you get in the water and this stuff's like just all over your body and just kind of feels like it's groping you. (laughs) And like besides the hard hat, you're just wearing like a wetsuit, right? Or whatever. Yeah. If that most of the, I mean, you probably just, it's Florida, so it's hot and you just throw on some coveralls and. Go down. You just go go for it, you know. So it's kind of that's that's where the mentality comes from. Is you really don't get paid that well to do a job that kind of sucks. But then again, goes back to that whole. It didn't feel like a job. So there, there's there's some some crazy crazy people I met offshore um, after I left after I left uh, that company down in Tampa. I went and started working offshore, and we did a lot of platform work. Um, I met a guy that he would bring two scuba bottles with him and one of them was his liquor bottle his like a small bottle no i'm, I'm talking like a big like a 60 scu- minute bottle or 30 minute bottle yeah what ours scuba, were um, scuba it's a little different you know? yeah these ones we call them bailout bottles uh-huh. we don't use those at all that like if you're on your bailout bottle you're probably dying you know Oh, like a little IP Haven? No, I mean, it was a big bottle, but you're down. You have to decompress for so long that you're probably going to die, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, depending on how much you breathe, but at 3,000 PSI, when you're at depth, if you're on a bailout bottle, that means you have to stay at that depth, (laughs) right? What it's really there for is for the guy's top side to give them time to get air back to you. But you've got... Or for them to get to you. (laughs) Right, right. Well, the thing is, is that even if... Even if you get out of the water, you still have to be worried about decompression. You bends, still have to be worried about bends. an embolism. You can get a uh, you know gas bubble in the your bends. neck. The bends exactly. Yeah. So before five minutes, it's it's an embolism. After five you minutes, wanna, it's you the bends. Explain what the, what that is. Yeah. So That's the <clears throat> carbon leaving your blood. <laughs> right. So when you breathe compressed air, it's made up of nitrogen, right? So that nitrogen almost turns into like a serum in your body. And when you are at depth, the, the pressure that is enacted on the air that you breathe makes it react differently when you, when you breathe it in. So as you come up, that 
that almost liquid type nitrogen has to off gas. When you're off gassing, if you do it too fast, it can clot in your elbow joint and your knee joint and your hip. It can clot up in your carotid and you embolize. And it's basically like having a, um, a blood clot. That's basically what it's like. It's like having a blood clot and you don't get blood to the certain part of your body and you either Fuck. die or your ar- your arm gets bent or you get bent over at your back because I'm, I'm buzzed. <laughs> I fucking buzzed. I am too. <laughs> feeling pretty good right now. You got oh, the bends. <laughs> I feel like no, I just text him. I don't know what I just said. I said I'm docking. Buck M's. All right. For those that don't know, I haven't had a drink since 2007, and I'm talking about hard liquor or mixed drink. I do not drink, but. When I'm invited into a drink every once in a blue moon, and every once in a blue moon, I will take that offer. But man, this what, was what did we drink? It was Oregon Spirit. It's straight American rye whiskey aged four years, and it's a 45% alcohol, 90 proof. So it's so we did a toast. It's pretty good. And I'm the only one that, that took it like <laughs> he a shot. slammed it. Dummy. So you know, I'm feeling it. Right <laughs> you know, that's a funny story about you know Austin is when diving growing up. You know, I got pretty serious into like deep diving and um, he was, was still young at the time. That was a very nice Joshua. You cut oh. me off Joshua. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were doing that. <laughs> like we're moving on from here. Yeah, we're <laughs> but so he, uh, I took him like 130 foot, which in recreational diving, those that don't know, 100, you know, 60 feet is considered like open water and then like 120 feet, that's considered advanced and then anything over 120, that's considered like deep diving right so i had advanced open water and then i had a lot of deep diving experience as well as cave diving i did a lot of cave diving with uh wayne hayes shout out to wayne hayes he's one of the most pronounced uh world renowned experts in cave diving down in florida he was my ex-wife's uncle and uh but anyway i took him diving and i took him into ward sinkhole uh at the time scuba west owned it i have no idea who owns it now but uh, we, we went down and it's a pretty cool sinkhole. They got a lot of stuff down there. They got a truck down there and they got uh, a platform down at uh, the 130 foot, 140 foot mark. And I took him down there and, and he got nitrogen narked. He got narked down there. Nitrogen narcosis. And he, uh, he started to, we, I was getting ready to surface. I'm like, we got to go. Nitrogen. nitrogen narcosis. We were getting ready to surface. It's kind we, of a weird phenomenon. We were pretty out of air, and here's Austin. Like he's, uh, I'm getting ready to surface. We have, we have a staged bottle at you know 60 feet to do our decompression stop, and um, I look up and and it's a sinkhole, so you don't have the greatest of visibility. You probably have maybe five feet, and uh, I look up and as I'm getting ready to tell us that we need to surface after I check, here's Austin swimming off the platform off into the abyss, <laughs> and I grabbed his. In and he looks back at me like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "We gotta go up. Like you're almost out of air, mofo." Like, <laughs> and so, years later, he turns into a commercial diver, has yeah. way more deep diving experience than I ever have. But that was he was probably you were probably still in high school at that yeah, point, huh? I think I was 16 or 17. I almost killed your son. Moto motivated. I almost I killed had, your son, mom. And I had dad, no business being down that deep. I had dove like with our Ab- dad and all that kind of stuff. Josh was like, "Hey, let's go do this." I'm like. At that okay, point, I don't probably know. shouldn't be going good. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's his, do it. His deepest dive at that point was probably what? 
50, 60 foot, maybe, yeah, if you were lucky. Yeah, if that. Some reefs that were 30, 40 foot. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm the expert. And I was really good, but I was no by no means an instructor. I mean, I was a really good diver, but by no means was I capable of taking an inexperienced diver down with me. I, I had no business taking him. I should never have taken him. Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. I almost killed your son that day. Yeah, I did, I, I did my own good job of trying to kill myself anyways. So uh, my, my deepest dive uh, commercially was 250 foot. Um, anything past three, they get into what's called saturation diving. And from there, you live in like a containment area. And they, they press down food to you and all sorts of stuff. And you live compressed at the depth that you're working at. And they have a bell that meets up with the big chamber that you live in. And they can go down to a thousand foot. That's what they normally work out of. No thanks. Yeah. That's you imagine. <laughs> Hell no. You usually do about Hats. a you do a month on, a month off. So you work for about three weeks. How you have you to decompress for an entire spend, week. How long do you spend down? Uh, usually Wait, the lock. Decompress for a week? Decompress be- for a week. In a decompression chamber. Usually go about a. F- how big is a decompression chamber? In It's smaller than this room. Uh, it, maybe this. I mean, it's going to be shorter. They're, um, For those only listening that have not seen this room, is probably, I'd say... Oh, 12 by yeah. 15, maybe. I was going to say, like, yeah, 140, 150 square foot. Yeah, so. it's, it's, a small, it's a small area, usually six to eight guys. Um, I never did it. I've, I've been on jobs that are, you know, saturation-based, but, uh, yeah, it was not my thing. Um, I like the surface applied. I, I like the work. You you jump down, you do a hundred fifty foot, two hundred foot pop, and you go to work. And you got, and depending on your depth, you got anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour and a half, two hours. You know, if you're if you're working commercially and you're less than forty foot, there's no decompression. So you stay your ass in the water <laughs> for eight to ten hours out of the day, sometimes longer. So. So when you're at school, you had this, you, this, he was a classmate. He was a Marine. Yeah. yeah he was a classmate. He was a devil he, dog. He was, he was a crazy, <laughs> he, he gives every bit of craziness to the name Did he Marine. Have a raspy, like, hey, you guys. Yeah, no, he was he a frog voice. Now when he Austin was, went to school, my dad was stationed at the time. He was on active duty orders and he was stationed in Jacksonville. So he's living with my parents in the con- I was in the condo, huh? On yeah, and I got shit for that, too, because a lot of the guys lived in the barracks at the school, which, you know, being in the military, you got rows of bunks, and it was literally just like military. And Austin's living in a well, condo. squad bay you're talking about. Squad bay. Okay, bay. I don't know all the technical terms. Yeah, Austin, it was like 20 bunks in a smell, room. You can smell everybody's odor, and you can yep. identify. And Austin's yeah. living. Hey, where's this pizza at, man? In, it's coming. I know, right? I ordered it. It's coming. But Austin's order. living in a condo what's on the, the ICW. What's number on this damn pizza? No, just kidding. <laughs> it's uh, coming. See you soon. It's on its way right now. See you soon, it says. Um, See you soon. But Austin's living in a condo on the intercoastal waterway. You know, it's got a beautiful... Was that or was that with the one on the beach that they had? They that had was, quite a... No, that was the one on the ICW. The one on the ICW. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was uh, staying in a ritzy condo with my dad... Drinking, you know, Malibu rum or whatever he was mixing that night, getting into yeah. the hot. Yeah. Were, but it was a bunch of Coast Guard guys yeah. that were on Title 10. There were a bunch of reservists on Title 10 orders, you know, to. 
I don't know if you know this story about that, but I got I got to jump back real quick. So yeah, let's jump back. All right. So our five five viewers right now. We nice. appreciate you guys watching. And, yeah, uh, thanks. Those that are joining in, uh, we got uh, Austin here, which is Josh's brother, and uh, we've got the co-host myself and Joshua Long. So we appreciate it. If you guys are watching, make sure you guys get on our podcast. Oh, Skylar Cummings, which is going to be a a guest. Yes, she just signed on. Skylar, absolutely. I love you. I think you're amazing. Amazing athlete. Great coach. New business owner. I am beyond proud of you. Um, if you're watching and you hear me, uh, kudos to, to Mr. Chris Cummings and uh, ma'am. Um, but yeah, get on uh, Lifting Others Podcast. It's going to be on Instagram and also Twitter and on Facebook. So give us a like, shout out, and uh, I'll stop interrupting. No, <laughs> you're good, man. You're good. Um, part of the podcast flow, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so our dad <laughs> growing up, I think, was just as interested in video games as we were. Absolutely. And he would send us to bed so he could train at Street Fighter and kick our ass. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. He was, when it would come to Street Fighter, he was... We're, there was nobody better. He, he was he was right back, back forward. Oh, a. Yeah. there's another. <laughs> he would demolish another, any of our friends at Street. Another Fire. interesting story is that he they threw a Halo tournament. That's the one I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna talk about. So, um, my friends out in uh, Dade City, Florida, they were Shout really out to Dade City, Florida. Dade a City, small ass little town. small town. It's getting bigger. Um. They had a big Halo tournament and Super Smash Bros. too. And they uh, they were like, hey, whoever wants to come, come. And I was like, well, I, I talked to my dad. I was like, hey, you play Halo. Why don't you come along? And so I <laughs> remember I remember real vividly at that time I was I was uh, token a lot. And uh, <laughs> doing a lot of that. Yeah. And I had just finished uh, <laughs> I had just finished practicing the band I was in. My dad came and picked us up. DC Un- North. No, no, no. It was the metal band. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and undoubtedly, he knew that I was high. <laughs> he gets into the I mean, our we all kind of a hippie. Yeah, he definitely, definitely yeah. knew you were high. So we we get into the car, we get into the truck, and he just reads the room so well, and he just cranks up Pink Floyd, and we we drive That's out. Nice. It's like thirty minutes from where we're at. We drive out, and he, you know. I wish you were here playing and just all the great classic Pink Floyd songs. And we get there and this dude annihilates the two best players out in that area at Halo like all night. No room, one can beat them. Room full of kids and here's a 50-year-old man, 40, 40-some-year-old man at that <laughs> yeah, time probably. probably mid 40s. Yeah, mid to late 40s just whooping kids yep. at Halo. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting night. <laughs> So the Marine, I kind of derailed you talking about saturation diving and everything, but the Marine, that was a cla- he was a classmate? Yeah, he was the classmate, uh, construction battalion Marine, um, just a crazy dude. Uh, all, all, all the guys that I went to school with were just pretty... Awesome. They were awesome. They were stereotypical divers. You know, uh, we, we, went, we took a trip back down to Tampa and partied down there. And I mean, just, just crazy, you know, like they, they don't know how to stop drinking. That's, that's like the diver MO, you know, it's just diver's creed. Yeah. I mean, 
I I was the I kind of got sucked into all of that over time, and so I guess we can kind of jump into where sobriety came into for me. Um, so I was I came back after I got out of dive school. I went to work for a company in Tampa, and <clears throat> I was never really into pills or anything like that, but. When I started working at that company, a lot of guys were doing pills. It was easy, you know, you you crush up a methadone, you crush up a Oxycontin, and you snort it, you take a hit before you get in the water. I mean, it was... What, what was your why, though? Like, what, what was leading you to do that? Man, you know, a lot, a lot of it, I think, was just avoiding that, that kind of existential feeling of what is this? Like, what is life? What are we doing here? My, my, I remember the unknown, the unknown, the unknown, like, um, the, you know, going all the way back to, from when I can remember being seven or eight years old, I, I had just had questions like, what, what, what is this weird thing we're doing? That's life. And, uh, he was definitely always curious about, like, I remember him always wondering, we have many conversations about like, why are we living? And I'm just yeah, like, what is what is this? Like, what? Yeah, and and I get that. Like, some people can kind of just disassociate, I guess you could say. And it was always tough for me. Nice. <laughs> and so when when I got out of high school, that was I, I had smoked a little bit off and on throughout high school, but I was never really my drug of choice. I was more of a drinker. And so when I first got out of high school, excuse me, that was when I first really dove into drugs. Like I started smoking pot. Um, I took shrooms. I took acid. Um, Were you so like, for those that are watching, some people self-medicate for certain reasons. My, My question is, did you have a reason other than being curious in life and why, or was it you were just testing the waters? I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I think there was some, there there was some ability to escape some emotional issues that I faced, and then also just being curious. I mean, I played in bands. Um, there was a lot of drugs around, just accessible. The pizza. The pizza is here. Oh yeah. That'll be down about 13 seconds. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there was, there was definitely some, there was definitely some need for escape from reality that came with it. Um, I, go ahead. I just want to ask, like, because I don't know that I've ever asked you this. Like, did you think that being, of having the prospect of being a father at so young play because I know that that played you were oh, around going that into time. sobriety yeah yeah oh yeah I mean um yeah that that was uh that was a whole mess of events um when I graduated dive school and I started working back in Tampa I kind of slipped right back into drugs same drug habit. use same habits because it was so familiar you know it was just like let me get this feeling. Let me uh, let me wake and bake. Let me go to the job. I it mean, was easy. it was easy. It was very easy. It was very easy to not think about whatever was going on in my head. And it helped put up a barrier, like a wall away from all of that. 
I think one of the and, craziest stories you ever told me about that whole period was when you guys were going to a job site and you're like, did whatever you, I'm not very keen on drugs because I've never really done too many of them in my life, but you were going to a job site and I guess when you got there, the superintendent was like, you guys didn't bring me any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, I had, so I played a show the night before and I had some, I had some cocaine and, um, uh, snorted, actually snorted cocaine before the show. And the two guitarists that I played with, they were, they were okay with pod and a little bit of stuff, but they weren't like, they were like, dude, what did you do? Because we could not keep up with you that night. Like you were a million mile, like, you know, just, you were on another level on another level. And they're like, whatever you did, you can't do it again. And so I had some leftover and I was, I was kind of, you know, hung over from the cocaine and drinking and everything. And when I got, I, I played a show, I woke up at like three thirty four a.m. and drove two hours with a guy that I actually grew up with in elementary school, middle school, high school. And he ended up becoming a Navy diver. He only did his four years. He got That's out. Awesome. Yeah, and That's we hard. I know, and we we ended up working at the same company, so it kind of the timeline just fit. Where I, like I graduated when I was twenty one, and he had just got out, you know, and so <clears throat> we got to the job, and he was hungover too from a party, and I was like, hey man, I got the, I got some kick cocaine left over. We can do that, <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> and we just blasted through that job. But with that being said, you know I. I you know, I worked there for maybe close to a year, seven, eight, nine months. I can't remember the exact timeline, but I worked at that company and I was, you know, I was crushing up pills and snorting them. I was, I was showing up, um, I think by October of 2008 is when my ex-wife and I found out that she was pregnant and, you know, I would show, I, I would tell her all these things like, oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to be a good dad or, uh, you know, and then I'd show up with my eyes rolling into the back of my head and I'm, I'm completely just, you know, blitzed out of my mind on whatever pills I had taken and whatever, you know, drugs that I had done that day. And so she being a strong individual that came from a family that had issues of their own, she knew she was like, I do not want any kind of part in any of this. So she left and, um, I actually was able to kind of get my life together and, uh, I went sober. Um, I joined a church for a while. Um, I did the, you know, the finding God and my relationship with all of that has developed in different various ways. Um, but it's all been a great experience. It's all been a great journey. Um, I was sober for 10 years. Um, and I think it's weird. It's like a weird thing to talk about, but like being sober for so long, it was almost an addiction to being sober and recognizing that you have an addictive personality is like, how do you deal with that? So introducing, you know, drinking back into my life was kind of a scary thing. Cause I was like, man, I don't ever want to be like that around my kids and end up that way, the way that I was before. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was tough to reintroduce, re reintroduce that. Douche. Introduce. <laughs> you introduce. That might be the liquor speaking. Right <laughs> that now. might be the liquor. Um, I might need a piece of that pizza, but yeah, uh, it was, it was an interesting experience. <laughs> 
what for you, Steve? Like, why, why were you sober for so long? What was any catalyst or just... Um, so I wasn't... I wasn't... I wasn't... Back to the mic. Um, so I wasn't... Damn, I was going, he beat me to it. Um, so I wasn't an alcoholic, but um, my parents don't even know to this day. But I dealt with um, dealing with the Marine Corps and dealing with a lot of the... Man... Um, when you deploy, a lot of people don't understand what takes place. Um, and I'm not saying people are different than me and people would never understand, but, uh, everybody's different. And, um, I was always the, I was always the type to keep everything in. Typical guy. And, um, never asked for help. I didn't know what the feeling was. Right. Absolutely. Um, So my self-medication was, I'm Jim Jack and Johnny. And uh, they were my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back from my last deployment in 2006. <coughs> and uh, we had lost quite a few Marines. Um, Corporal Pavi, um, Hale. Uh, we lost, uh, man, I, I can't even say their names. It's just, it kills me. But we lost quite a few Marines. And uh, Rapavi was always one that, he don't care how much, how high your rank is. He's going to challenge you and you better live up to your standards because he will, he will challenge you. Um, and you outranked him? No, 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 no. He was, uh, this was, man, this was my, my second, my first, first deployment, I think to Iraq. And, uh, he pretty much, um, uh, yeah, this was my first deployment. Yep. So he freaking, before we deployed, we had a first sergeant. Right, and this first sergeant was, uh, man, this guy was just wound to the T. Like, he was perfect. You couldn't touch this guy. But Rapavi caught him in something. And he said, if you don't do this, I'm going to NJP you. And <laughs> this is a corporal talking to a first sergeant, you know, so. So you were talking about, um, yeah, so, get that mic in front of you, fist away, so everybody can hear you. Connecting to cohesion. Stand by. Give me 30 seconds. Hold on. So me and you. So you uh, got sober. I did. 10 years. Oh, yeah. So when you started drinking, yeah. this is like I, I this is this is something that for me, I quit drinking. For those that don't know, I did quit drinking, but I quit drinking for a totally different reason. Not because I was an alcoholic, because I have an addictive personality and I became a bodybuilder. And I realized that alcohol was not conducive to my chicken and rice and vegetable diet. And I have to say shout out to my wife and my father-in-law who lived with me and my wife at the time. And I put them through suffrage of about a year and a half of eating nothing but chicken and rice and vegetables <laughs> for dinner every chicken fucking night. It might have been like fish every occasionally like salmon or something. But it was pretty much chicken and rice and vegetables for about 18 months. While I was on an adventure to become a competitive bodybuilder. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I mean, I, I, I got there. I, I reached my goal. I did never get my pro card. That was the end goal. But, but anyway, I quit drinking. So, but a totally different reason that I started drinking because I just I gave up on my addictive personality. Like that was, for me, it was like, you know what? I need to stop <laughs> being addicted to everything that I do. Like I, I need to, I can be a bodybuilder or be into fitness, but I can still... Um, enjoy. Life. I can still enjoy life. I can still have a drink. I can still eat 
fried chicken or a cake when it's someone's birthday. I mean, I was bad. I was really bad. I would not, I, if it wasn't my cheat day, we didn't have sweets. We, there was no sweets in my house. Like, we didn't buy them. I didn't let anybody buy them. And it was bad for everybody around me. Um, you can ask Amanda about it. It was, it was, I was very addicted. I have a addicted, no, just I, like him. I, have I think that's a personality. great, that's a great point. Um, that was something that maybe this sounds weird to some people, but one of the reasons that I wanted to drink again was to prove to myself that I could not be addicted to something that I could mediate my own actions. I could be in charge because when you say, Oh, I don't drink because I'm an addictive personality you let that part of your life take over you. So now you're just addictive still, but it's to sobriety or it's to this, like I would cling to something. And so it's kind of like challenging yourself. Like I've been drinking, I think I started drinking right around when COVID hit actually. So you and the rest of America started drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. I think uh, you're actually talking about when Biden took office. Just let the kids rub my leg hairs. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> in the words of Biden, this is a big fucking deal. <laughs> Remember that? Remember when he said that on live television? This is a big fucking deal. He whispered that to Obama. Remember that? When they when they signed the American Health Care Act on live television. And it went live and and Obama just shook his head like, this guy. Why are you my... He's like, my, I'm never going to live this down. This yeah. guy's my VP. Like, that's crazy. So no, like I, I totally agree. I think that that's... For me, that was a big deal. Like I was like, why am I... First of all, I mean, I'm not even making money as a bodybuilder, right? Like I'm... I'm competing whatever and, and and getting in competition shape and 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 i had a goal obviously of being but i'm not you know ronnie coleman or dorian yates or Arnold. this isn't my living right like yeah. i'm not so why am i not drinking alcohol on friday night with my wife having a glass of wine because yes. why is everybody in my house <laughs> miserable because yeah of why is everybody eating chicken and rice just and not having a cake because i want to be a competitive bodybuilder and not, you know, that doesn't make no sense, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, it was a, it was kind of a big change at that time anyways. I mean, I feel like if you step back far enough from COVID and you look at it less as a negative thing and you look at it as what did it do to benefit society? Like how did we benefit from COVID? Um, there's a lot to be said about it. There was a huge shift in the way that my ex and I, at the time when COVID hit, we were still full on married. You know, there was no talk. I hadn't hadn't even thought about ever, you know, going down that road. And 2019, November, we kind of started bringing it up. And then by, that is really loud. Uh, by the time that COVID was in full swing, we were separated, but still in the same house. <laughs> and what a what a that journey can, it's that been. Can, that can be toxic. How how <sighs> tough has that been, really? I mean, like, or maybe not tough. How, how you know? Because that's different. Like a lot of people don't. Wow, that was really weird. A lot of people don't. Um, they don't think of you can get divorced and. And still live in the same house as somebody, or I mean, Co- I know you cohabitate. guys. I know you guys have yeah. plans and whatnot to to change all that, but um, how different is that? It it takes us. It took a special personality 
from my ex to be able to navigate those kind of waters where she was very patient with me as she was explaining how she felt, what she was going through to, for, you know, to help me understand why we shouldn't just be together. And I mean, you're talking 2020 to now. I mean, we've been separated for a year now, but we still, we unboxed everything under the sun that at least I, I feel like we could. I mean, we, I mean, we talked until we were blue in the face. Like we had conversation after conversation, you know, we cried, we had good laughs, we had arguments, we, but in the end, what we really wanted was our kids to be happy and to feel safe and secure in what was our family unit. And we didn't want to do the same old song and dance. We didn't do the old gig. You got to do the new gig, you know? And the old gig, from what I remember growing up, is you get divorced. Get out. Fuck that person. I don't want anything to do with them. Or maybe it was kind of civil, but it's still like everything's ties cut. And so for us, it's been... <laughs> Okay. For us, it's been, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had our issues, but it's been a lot of battling your own ego. You know, I especially feel like as men, you know, you were talking about that before in your own experience as a Marine and going through, you just bottle it up. And that's kind of been the MO for men forever. And I feel like that's starting to change a little bit. There's more therapies, more accepting nowadays, you know, going to talk about how you feel and what's going on in your head is definitely a better environment nowadays than it was when our dads were raising us. Mm -hmm. And we, but we were raised that way. I mean, I, yeah. I, and and my, I suffer. My that. parents, we, we never talked about any of this shit. And, you know, now 30 years later, it, the, the environment's changed, you know? And so I think that's good. It's, it's been a really good process of. That's awesome though. I mean, you guys did grow through that. Yeah, we have definitely grown through a lot together. And, you know, I've had I've had experiences with my kids where they've said, I'm I'm so happy now. I'm happy that you guys have have done this and you spend more time with us. There's more one-on-one. -on -one. There's you seem happier together. And so we have a really good friendship, but we're not together. But you know, one of the other things too is that my ex was a stay-at-home mom for the entirety of our marriage. She had uh, one or two small jobs, and that's a tough dynamic as well because you get into this, well, go get a job and take care of yourself, and it's like I can't really do that. Like they've been supporting you in your action of getting a better career and taking care of the kids, and so for me, something that I saw what from the get-go, and I've never really cared too much about money it's just been kind of like i'm glad that i can make it but i think the ultimate goal or the uh, the ultimate end reach of it all is i want to take care of my family i want them to be happy no matter what current situation is between my ex and i you know mm -hmm. like i want them to have a good life and that is kind of i wanted to hopefully reset that idea of like you don't just get away from like I, I mean I've worked with a lot of guys and maybe not that you know they're not some of them aren't the greatest just like oh screw that person or whatever I gotta pay child support it's like 
yeah, but you chose that, you know, <laughs> like that's, that was your choice. You chose to have a kid and, you know, whether it was by accident or purpose, it doesn't matter. That's your responsibility. And so for, for us, it's been a little bit different because we've both had a different mindset into what we wanted for our family. And so we're still a great family. Like uh, I bought a camper. I'm living in a camper now. And so, yeah, it's I, cool. I love it. I love it. It's so great. And she, you know, she came out to camp with us. Bless you. Thank you. And, um, you know, she, we went and we, we have lunch together still. We still talk. We, you know, we're very open with each other. We, we try very hard to create the same kind of structure of a family, but in a different light where mom and dad aren't together, but they're still doing this together. So that's, that's kinda, awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's important for your kids. And I think that's a different, different dynamic, right? Like, I think we all struggle. I mean, I know you have kids from a previous marriage that yeah. you don't see very often, and I think that's unfortunate. And I know you and your ex-wife had a very tumultuous. Yeah, man, that was that was tough. We tried the whole. Um, we definitely tried the whole living together and uh, cohabitating. Yeah, that didn't work for us, um, it, and that was unfortunate. But it was weird. We separated. I went my way. She went her way. I lived in Bayville, New Jersey. She lived in Newark, New Jersey, which is about an hour and five minutes. Okay. Um, so I was driving two hours every Friday to go see my kids and bring them back on Sunday evening. Um, and it was always a fight. You know, it was always a fight. And, you know, she was a great, she was a great wife. She was a great mom. But we had our differences of opinions and we went our separate ways. And uh, there was a lot on both of our ends that we... We, we, we messed up on his parents. Uh, actually, no, as husband and wife, I took that back. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it, it's brutal. So I, I feel you on that. I definitely feel you on the whole cohabitating. <laughs> and, uh, but on our end, it just didn't. We just didn't vibe. It just didn't. You, you know, know. And, and sometimes that's the best, you know. Sometimes that, that really is the best. You you get to a certain point and you just say, hey, this is, this is not working. Like, we can't. And, and I think... Um, you know, one of the one of the tests in life is fighting that ego, right? Like fighting your own ego is probably one of the biggest challenges in life. And saying, you know, I've had I'm, all throughout this of the past two years, I've had moments where my ego has fought my id brain and said, "Hey, you know, well, you shouldn't do that. You like forget that. Like, you know, you've supported her for this and all this stuff." And then I cut. I, 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 I try to humble my back, myself back down and say, it's not about that, you know? It's about, it's about supporting each other. And that's what I really love about this podcast, the name Lifting Others, is you, when you really practice that in life and you lift someone else up, you lift yourself up too, you For know? sure, absolutely. I, I watched, I've been in and out of a few different churches, um, and I watched a great sermon one time, and the pastor was talking about how you, if you don't battle your own, you know, conscience that fights against you every day and you don't take time for yourself and fill up your own glass and have something to pour to someone else, you can't, you can't lift someone else up because you don't have anything pour, to pour get on to others. That's right. That's yeah. right. And it's a great, it's a great message. And I really like it stuck with me. That was years ago when I saw that. And it stuck with me to this day. 
Um, you know, there's a there's I guess some people call it some new age stuff or whatever. I don't really get into semantics. I don't care. I just if I hear something that's truthful and it, it resonates, yeah. it clicks. And and truth is pervasive. It it comes in waves. It hits you. If it's cosmic, free, right? Like the truth. Yeah, truthfully, stay free. If it's cosmic, you're meant to be hearing it. If it's if it's being said, there's a reason it's being said, and you might not realize it until five, six, seven years later. But there was a reason that you heard that, and sometimes you have to go through the trenches, so to speak, mm-hmm. to understand that. And that's you know, I guess what life is all about. You know, having those life experiences of, you know, just. We're all in this. It's a. There's a song that I listen to. There's a lyric. It's. Um, <laughs> we're all in this uh, together, but we're each in our own individual cage, right? So like, it's like togetherness alone. Like we face our own alone battles, but we have everyone yeah. to and support no, no. each other and lift each other up and become together. And so like. It's such a unique life experience to go through all that. Again, like it goes back to my crazy wired brain of how I think and I just doesn't shut off. And I'm like, what's this? I try to, I read and I can't stop and I would just want to know, no, no, no. Um, but I think that was one of the best things that helped me in my life is just understanding that like, hey man, give, give that guy grace. Like, uh, you know, you don't know what that person's going through in their life to be pissed off at you or someone else. Like, just let it let it roll off, you know. And honestly, it goes back to jujitsu. Is like when I was training hardcore, it was so easy because I got all my aggression out. Like I'm good. I don't want to uh. therapy complete. <laughs> it's like you talked about that in class, right? Like that's. I mean, it's huge. You walk through the door and everybody's the same on the mat, right? It's like a dump. It's I mean, dump. everybody's. That was a great. That was a great message. I everybody's really got like a that. different level of jujitsu, but at the end of the day, we're all doing jujitsu and. You know, everything that happened outside, whatever happened at work, whatever happened, none of that. Let it all go. None of that shit matters when you're on the mat, you know. Yeah, when you and when you hit those mats, it's, you know, everybody's equal. It don't matter what color you are, what race you are, what, you know, what ethnicity, what religion, none of that matters. Like, especially when you come through these doors here that what Steve and I have, none of it, none of it matters to us. And he touched on that at the end of class tonight. And I think you touched on the name of the podcast and I mean for Steve and I the name of the podcast is even deeper because you know like our motto here at Cohesion is we rise by lifting others yeah you know? like and that's <clears throat> to us it's not like it's not just some silly slogan that we put at the end of a Facebook post to catch people's eyes like it's truly how Steve and I both live when it comes to Cohesion and you know I've always tried to live that way I mean you, you've known me for a long time and obviously you're my brother but we are, um, we are no longer live on Facebook <coughs> we keep Battery. losing Dead. everybody that's losing on Facebook we're sorry we kept we, we got some it's our first time going live and we'll figure it out we'll get it better for the next time it's dead the battery's just died yeah so we'll figure that out next time for better we'll pipe in some better audio too for those that were listening and didn't get good audio we're sorry um, but no, like it really is. It's a it's it's a lifestyle for me, and it's one of the things we touched on it in the first episode a little bit. It's one of the things that, I mean, I got drawn to cohesion by in a roundabout way because of you know circumstances of other places in town not accepting certain people and new members and all that. But at the end of the day, the what drew me and kept me was the atmosphere and the how how everything here is different and when I came on as an owner one of the things that I wanted to do was we had to change some things right like there was there was some things that needed to be changed and a lot of that's behind the scenes stuff but like 
all the stuff on the mats, all the atmosphere, all that, all that. None of that's, I didn't want to change any of that because that's what kept me coming back. And some people will come here and they'll be like, oh, this isn't like your traditional martial arts. You know, like, oh, you guys, and that's fine. Like, we've, we've heard that from some people before, I think. And, and our answer to them is, is, well, we're sorry, but that's, we're not trying to be that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this, like, like, we have some traditional traditions, obviously, we do, you know, but at the end of the day, we're not, we're, we're, we're different here. And that's, it's the whole we rise by lifting other things. Like, we don't, we don't. I mean, we have, what, 77 members, and me and Steve both know every single one of them. We know all of our kids' parents' names. We know their stories. You know. We know, we can tell you their in and outs. We can tell you their their little personalities um, from kids all the way to adults. So, And even but, their parents, like even the parents that only, that aren't training here, that just have kids training here, we know their stories. And, you know, it's it's definitely a different atmosphere and, and it goes to what you were saying about lifting others and the truth will set you free and, you know, telling stories and, you know, lifting others. It truly, for us, it truly is something, you know, that we're, that we're trying to do here. It's special to us. Yeah. Definitely special. Um, I'll, I'll kick on to the sobriety thing that you asked. Um, actually that you asked, I'm sorry. And, um, so my first deployment was pretty brutal. Um, it was rough, man. We, we lost a lot of people. Um, just I just want to interject real quick. When you deployed, how old, the first time? How old were you? Uh, I was eighteen. Eighteen, 17, so 18. super young. Yep. Like I so, mean, when I, when I was eighteen years old, I was playing in bars as a rock, <laughs> as a bass guitarist in a band. I was so I went from I was working at Top Gun Paintball as a referee. Awesomest job. Ever. <laughs> I, was, I was a head referee. I was a head referee. If that mattered, I got a quad to my name, and I get to ride around and that tell sounds, people, "You that sounds, that sounds fucking dope." Um, Bam Bam Bigelow. I got to kick him out. That was pretty cool. What he came there and played? He, he no. Well, he came there to watch his son play, and someone came over, put the paintball gun over a bunker, and shot at his kid. And he literally took those two kids like two coconuts. Bing. So we had to call Jackson Police Department. Jackson Police Department responded, and they were like, oh, my God, this is Bam Bam Bigelow. So I was like... But you're not in the Marine Corps this time. No, no, no. So uh, fast forward, um, I stuck on the old footprints. And uh, so you have 13 weeks of Marine Corps boot camp, and then you have three additional months of your uh, your MOS training, which for me was uh, infantry school. Which is like A school and... Some, any branch, some branches, any other branches, yeah. yeah. So, um, I ended up uh, joining the infantry. I was an O three eleven, was your your rifleman, and uh, I ended up uh, tagging on to Second Battalion Eighth Marines Golf Company. And uh, man, uh, we were training. We ended up going to CAX for CAX's Combined Exercises in California, which is where you go to train before you. It's pretty much like all the check in the box that you have to do before you go to Iraq. Um, we landed Kuwait to acclimatize for 30 days, and boom, we're in Iraq. Uh, we ended up in the Ramadi area. Circa uh, 04? Yeah, 03 or 04. Yeah. And, uh, no, 0405. 0405. Okay. 04, 05. okay. And uh, we, we hit Iraq, and we ended up in Saklawea, a.k.a. City of Cows. And uh, yes, there were lots of cows and dogs. <laughs> um, so my job was uh, Checkpoint 286, which is a bridge. And our job was MSR security, which is the mobile supply route. So the main route that every truck goes in and out. And uh, we ended up hearing on the radio. We had a casualty. And uh, we had multiple casualties you know, within that month. And then uh, Pavi was one of them. And that hit me hard because 
between him and another Marine that we saw, they allowed us to say our goodbyes to him. And uh, one of them got trapped inside of a Humvee and burned alive uh, because to just trying to pry those doors open in the fire is just almost impossible. Yeah, especially in a Humvee. I can't imagine. So think about the screens. Think about the smells. Think about everything that that Marine was wearing was attached to his body and melted onto his body. Man. Uh, then on top of that, the screams. Um, so what those Marines went through trying to get him out and then us taking his body and putting it into uh, Opie Riviera at that time, uh, which is where we, what was like our outpost. And uh, saying goodbye and seeing him lifeless was what did it for me. And I was like, that could be me. What's stopping that from happening to me to be on tomorrow or on my next patrol? Yeah. Because we hit, we did patrols anywhere from like three to four times a day. And uh, each platoon would go out and cover different sectors. So, um, yeah, man, I, I got back and. Uh, you came back stateside yeah, at that came, point? We came back stateside to Camp Lejeune. And uh, man, it was brutal. Um, everybody was drinking. Yeah, I mean, this is like every night. I never, I, typical I, Marine. Yeah, I never, I never drank ever since till then. Never yeah. drank, and uh, we got back. And uh, but it's a good coping ne- mechanism, right? Like it was. At least you think it, it is. Like it's not really, but you think it is. Yeah, yeah. So it was a couple weeks away from my birthday, and I was like, "Hey, I want and, you know me and my guys. We all went out to Red Lobster. We went out to every gentleman's club. I'm going to say gentleman's club. Um, <laughs> That's the club. proper name, right? Yeah." And uh, we hit every club, and I left with a bottle from every single place. And like at a strip club. Now, I've only been to two in my entire life, so it tells you how much I've lived. Um, but at a strip club, you can like, buy a whole bottle, right? Like, uh, You can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're throwing those bills, you can do whatever yeah. you want. So I wasn't living the greatest life, if you want to say it, but I was living my best life at that time <laughs> as a single Marine. And uh, my coping mechanism was was drinking. Everybody was doing it. Uh, so I was like, maybe I should do it. Right. Yeah, that's up. makes sense. Yeah. So I, I Jaegermeister, Jaeger bombs, and Irish oh. car bombs were my favorite. Oh, my God. So I would literally go Those from like Jaeger bombs to Irish car bomb. Like, yeah. it's stupid. You, make, you kind of make me want to get sick just hearing Jaegermeister. Um, I have a very interesting story about Irish car bombs, and I'll tell it real quick. <laughs> I'll, I'll synopsis it. And this is... Um, the last time I ever got blackout drunk, one of the only times, um, we, uh, my buddy that I worked with at the time, we worked at a, uh, I worked for Dish Network as a manager, and he was the warehouse uh, supervisor, and he, his boss showed up. We were supposed to go out. He was a Philadelphia Eagles fan, huge. It was Saturday night. We were supposed to leave, go watch the Philadelphia Eagles at this bar that we used to hang out at, and uh, the Eagles were on that night. I think they were playing the Cowboys on Saturday night football, whatever. It was a big game. It was late in the season. The Eagles were in contention for the playoffs. Well, his boss shows up Saturday at like to do an audit at like four thirty in the afternoon, and we're fixing to leave at six o'clock that day. I have my assistant manager closing down that night. We're supposed to be, and we we run over to the bar. At, like his boss shows up, does this audit. It, we don't get out of there till like eleven fifteen, eleven thirty at night. We showed up to the bar. Now, we'd gone to this bar a lot. It was this cigar bar that we used to smoke cigars at. He's a big cigar smoker like me. And we'd hang out there and watch football and drink. Well, we used to, every Saturday night, we'd run like a $200 tab. But we'd get there at 6, 6, 30, 7 o'clock at night, right? So you were up 
until three o'clock in the morning in South Carolina. You got last call three o'clock in the morning before you get kicked out. So $200 between the two of us isn't that bad. We split the tab or whatever, right? It's not a lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's not. But anyway, we show up at 1130. We got two and a half, three hours, right, of good drinking time before they start shutting it down. Well, we ran a $200 tab in those two and a half hours where we usually did, you know, seven, eight hours of drinking, right? And, uh, well, the last shot that we did was an Irish car bomb. And it passed me out over the top. I don't remember leaving the bar to this day. I still don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, uh, we, we went to Waffle House. Apparently we went to Waffle House. Yeah. Waffle, Waffle. I left my keys on the table. <laughs> he thought, my buddy Jeff, Jeff Wright, if you're still alive, I can't find you on Facebook or anything anymore, but if you're still alive, shout out and you're listening. Uh, I left my uh, keys on the table and I walked out. About 20 minutes later, he said he asked the waitress, had, he ever, had, he seen, had she seen me? She's like, he walked out like 20 minutes ago. I don't know where you were. <laughs> Apparently I walked out. I walked across one of the most busiest roads in Somerville, South Carolina, Dorchester Road. Walked halfway down it. Now, grant you, my apartment was about a quarter of a mile away from this Waffle House that I lived in at the time. But I walked halfway down this road back towards the direction of the bar and then just decided I was going to sleep in a ditch that night. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's the crazy part about that story. Back then, I'm still pretty, pretty, pretty big into carrying my gun all the time. But back then, I didn't go anywhere without my gun. I always had my gun. I worked at a gun shop part time. I uh, was an NRA pistol instructor for a little period of time there. And uh, when, I, when I woke up in that ditch, I looked for my gun the first thing because I always had my gun on me and I couldn't find my gun. I thought I got mugged. I, I, we had Nextel. I called that guy on the radio, Jeff. I beeped, I beeped him on the Nextel. I, like, I said, where are you? And his response was, better question is, where the fuck are you? Because <laughs> currently I'm in a and ditch. And I said, uh, I don't know. And I was in a ditch. So... That was the last time I ever drank that much. I've never been blackout drunk besides that one time in my life. Um, that was the one and only time. And uh, you guys talk about, you know, like drinking and stuff. Like I don't have an addictive personality to alcohol for, for whatever reason, but I definitely have an addict- addiction to certain things. Uh, obviously, like I talked about earlier, bodybuilding. And I think easily I could let it get out of control with jujitsu. I think I did for a period of time, um, especially when I was laid off last year. I, 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 I lived at this place, but then there was dealing with other things that, you know, didn't need, you know, how am I going to pay the bills? Oh, well, who cares? I'm just going to go train jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. So, um, back to what I was saying, I mean, um, uh, everybody was drinking. Um, I didn't think it was a bad thing. Um, I just remember that if I ever did drugs, my dad would kick my ass. Yeah. My dad instilled into me that, Hey, if I ever wanted to experiment with something that I would ask him first or try it out with him. Which my dad's will be like absolutely not. Um, so, um, and I see I, me personally, I can't speak for those Marines, but I feel like they were doing it because that was their coping mechanism. Right, like they were dealing with a lot, and I know firsthand that there was no asking for help. There was no, and I I feel like it was a cry for me that I was drinking so much, and I was. Showing up to formation, buzzed, not drunk. Like, I mean, some of my, some of my fucking Marine friends, man, Franchick, if you're Matt Franchick and uh, the whole mortar section, I don't know how you guys did it. You guys were fucking badass motherfuckers when it came to drinking. I love you guys. Do you think that environment changed any of. of no, I think it's gotten worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, me personally, I think it's gotten worse um, with the whole. What, gener- what, what generation are we in now? 
that. I don't, I don't even know. Some, the, Karen, the Karen generation guy. Gen Z? Yeah. So, oh, no, yeah, because we're, we're X. We're X. Zoomers. We're you, X. No, you guys are still millennials. We're millennials. 84. Yeah. You're elder millennials. 84, yeah, 85. Elder. I always, I always cop out. You watch your mouth. You watch your mouth. The funny thing about the millennial thing is I always copped out of being a millennial because for a long time they said it was 85 and I was like, well, I'm born in 84, but then they changed it to like 84, 83. So no, it's actually, now I can't, now uh, it's I can't actually cop 80. out of it. Yeah, so well, they've 80. changed it a bunch of times now. They yeah, well, it makes it sense. Like, What's a generation? Twenty years. All right. Let's just keep this simple math. Yeah, nineteen hundred to nineteen twenty. They didn't do that. Forty, forty to sixty. They didn't like, do that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I just, I started drinking. Um, I never got into drugs. Um, I, I literally would drink until I. Just, but in the military, it's like alcohol is not tested for, right? Like so, it's, no, it's like so. So it's like you can't do drugs because you're the, getting the, tested. The rule possibly. was. The rule was. Um, like it was an unwritten rule. Yeah. <clears throat> if you're gonna show up to formation, make sure you can stand at attention. Yeah. And yeah. I mean we had guys wobbling. We had guys <laughs> whiffing. Like, we were like, Yeah, present and or accounted for. I mean, I, mean, I don't know what status you want us to say that we're in, but uh we're gonna skip that part. We're here, so. I mean it's like being a Sarah, like you're tested for drugs, but I mean you can get as drunk as you want up until the night before that you show up to work, right? Like that's oh yeah. I mean drugs obviously you can get around too, but it's very common to be a sailor and be I mean the drunken sailor is a thing for a reason, right? Yeah. Like that's and, and the thing know. is like it was it's a thing like tattoos and beer and alcohol. I mean all that was yeah. That's the Marine Corps. That's the military. Yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, Marines are practically sailors anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We're so sailors with guns. Yeah. Exactly. And other stuff. Way cooler. Even cooler. Way cooler than being a sailor. Yeah. Um. We so you guns. you get you decide you're going to be sober, or you decide. Yeah. So like, I decided. You know, I was like, you know, like this drinking thing is not for me. I want to take sell my career as a Marine. Um. I ended up getting screened and selected to go teach Marine Corps martial arts at the lowest rank that anybody's ever taught, and um, I was mind blown. <laughs> They were like, hey, it's 2006. Do you want to re-enlist? And I was like, uh, cool. Hell yeah, let's yeah. do it. So this is four um, years in at this point? It was like three, three and a half. Yeah, it was like two and a half, three and a half more. And uh, <clears throat> they were like, oh, pack your shit. You're out of two eight. And I was like, what? Where, where do I go? I'm still new, kind of. Like only four years, you know, three and a half years. So they were like, well... You're gonna get your uh, you're gonna get your uniform on. And you're gonna go check into Quantico, Virginia, and I was like, "What? Damn! <laughs> I'm going all the way across the map!" <laughs> all right, so went across to I reported in, and uh, the Marines were different. It was different. I went from an enlisted base to generals, captains, nothing but lieutenants. They were getting trained. And uh, the mindset was different. Everybody wanted to train to be better there. Like, the fitness standard was through the roof. Really? Um, we were running That's three miles. We were running our, our physical fitness test every week. That's only done once a month. Really? And we were doing it every week because we had a standard as a, as a black shirt or a martial art instructor trainer. Um, those guys were, that's what they were doing. Me, I was a war survival instructor trainer at that time. So I was just drowning lieutenants and making sure they pass for swim cross so they could fly. <laughs> and if not, I just drown them some more. <laughs> We've been through it. that training. Not as not as intense as that, but we go through it every four and, years. And then we, we started doing the, the sweat training, which is shallow water egress training, which is pretty much you're in a helicopter or a, a capsule 
it hits the water, it flips, you have to find your IP habit, your little freaking six, uh, your, your one minute bottle. Yeah, yeah. We, we do the same training. Yeah. For, we call it T. Hewitt or Bo- Bo- Boise it if you're not, if you're like in the North Sea or whatever. But. So, so I was an instructor for that and I taught all the guys that and all the lieutenants that and it was, dude, it was, that was the best my career was. Yeah. Because, and so this is after you've quit drinking. Yes, yeah, so I, I was like, you know what, I want to pursue a career in the Marine Corps. I want to be better. I want to, I don't want to be this guy. And, uh, <clears throat> a lot of my, the Marines that I graduated boot camp with in, in uh, school of infantry, they stood at two, eight and continued to be infantrymen and, uh, deploy. Um, and, uh, man, it was just one of those, like, I'm happy to say that I got out of that environment because I think that if I would have continued to drink, I would have, uh, went a whole different route. Yeah. And if that- I would have came out, I, if I would have got out at that four year mark, I think I would have been a shithead. Yeah. I literally would have been a piece of shit. <clears throat> kind of wandering blind through life. Yeah. And uh, I think that would have been the, the thing that drove me off a cliff, which was drinking for See, me. It's, it's interesting how, you know, life can throw you a bone. Um, I think definitely in my experience, it was my ex. Uh, she, she was real hard on me about the drinking and kind of like, Um, so she, she definitely spurred a bit of my sobriety. Um, well, damn. Interruptions are always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> ADD kicks in. Yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's good. It's good that I think it's good when you listen to that, you know, Life's like hey proverbial voice in your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You 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 chose to listen to it and you you fucking followed that. A lot of people ignore that, right? Like same for me. It's easy to ignore it. Uh, I good. I'm getting drunk every night. And I I think part of it was I always wanted to make my parents proud of me. Like I always wanted that because uh, growing up, um, it was tough for my dad to make it to all my sports. It was tough for my mom to make it to all the sports because they were working some crazy hours. Uh, They wouldn't get home to like six seven o'clock at night so them making a wrestling match or making a, a football practice was close to none yeah uh, they both worked at the world trade center at that time so when once 9-11 hit it was different you know like everything changed that yeah. was my that was my you're going to the marines yeah that was your catalyst hell yeah you don't fuck shit up blow bitches up <laughs> catch me some hajis hmm. yeah i think you know, I've, I've always found sobriety to be very interesting. I, I, everybody's story about why they're sober or why they're experiencing different things or, you know. So, like, for me, not ever having struggled with alcohol, which is interesting that I never have. I think I caught it quick with, you know, the story I just told you. I was, you know, I mean, that night there was a lot going on. I was getting ready to go through my divorce at the time and... um so it's interesting that I never struggled with it because I caught it quick and I remember that night that feeling I was like, man, this is retarded. Like, I don't. But you were like, always you were always more level headed too. You know, you always had a bit more maturity that that kind of helped like hovered around you than the rest of us. Anyways, you yeah. kind of always had like a forward projection thought process of like, 
this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. Yeah, I've always definitely been maybe a little ahead of my time in terms of like age-wise, in terms yeah. of thinking, you know, I don't want to be this person or be that person. And so I think for me, definitely hitting that at that point, you know, like, oh, I slept in a ditch. Like, what the hell? Like, why am I? Like, there's no need. To, like, I can control it. I don't need to be that drunk. Like, it's okay to drink, but why am I getting this drunk that... I don't remember what happened that night and some crazy things could have happened. I don't know. Like from two o'clock in the morning till I woke up at well, probably three o'clock in the morning till I woke up at was it six fifteen or something when I woke up finally, three and a half hours of my life that to this day I just don't know what happened. So I think it's interesting, you know, when you talk about sobriety and talk about addiction and different things and um that's one of the things that um I've always found interesting about you is like you've obviously struggled with it and um I've, you know, been super proud that you <clears throat> were able, you know, proud that you, you came through and you got sober. And, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's cool that you are able to come to terms with it and, and it, you are able to drink and not let it get out of control. And, um, yeah, I had, a um, directly after starting again, I had one night where I definitely, uh, let yeah, it I think get, you called me that next day, actually. Yeah, I did. I think you did yeah. call me. Um, and then... And after that, I, I took a step back again. And I said, what am I doing here, you know? And then I eased back into it. And every time that I do drink, I try to pay attention to how I'm feeling, you know? Like, am I, how tipsy am I? How, what, what is this making me feel? And I try to gauge, yeah, I definitely like. Trying to gauge yourself. Yeah. yeah that's and, and, and I definitely I go for like a, I, I try to limit, like if I'm drinking cocktails or I'm drinking, you know, whiskey on the rocks, it's like kind of like a one per hour and then mix in a bunch of water because I'm an old yeah. guy now and I, get, you know, I don't want to deal with hangovers. You know? <laughs> what, what's, what's, your, what's your drink of choice? Uh, definitely... Liquor-wise. Uh, definitely a whiskey. Um, bourbon. But yeah. I... But I, I but Kentucky you know what? Bourbon. Kentucky straight bourbon. Yeah, I like a... I've, I've been getting into a Pendleton. You ever had that before? Mm -mm. It's kind of like a middle-aged uh, whiskey. And uh, Woodford Reserve is another good one. Oh, well, that's a Kentucky bourbon. That's, yeah. That's by far one. Yeah, that's a good one. Especially the but double oak. Too. I'll be honest with you guys. I, I get into, I've, I've gotten into mules. I've gotten in, I'll get into frou-frou cocktails. Old fashioned? I, I mean, whatever. Oh, tell me you've had an old fashioned. Oh, yeah, I've had old oh, fashioned before. Yeah, an old fashioned. If you're going to really go mixed drink, old fashioned for me is the best. <clears throat> um, Kentucky straight bourbon is my drink of choice. Now, my preferred drink is single malt scotch, but I'm a bougie if you will, like yeah, you Steve are. liked to always say, and it has to be 18 years or more for it to be aged. Yeah, and it's gotten, it's gotten worse ever since my father-in-law and my wife for my 30th birthday bought me a bottle of 30-year-age scotch. Oh, there you go. And oh, the smoothness of that was insane. So, really? Um, yeah, it's got to be 18 years or more, and you go out to a restaurant to get an 18-year, you're looking at like $18 a glass. Jeez. And, you know, they, all, they say about a dollar... Usually it's about a dollar per year when you get into that, you know. So if you're going to, if you're eighty dollars, eighteen years, you're about eighteen dollars a glass. So, so I don't drink. So, so I, so I usually drink bourbon out because you can get like a four. You can get a pretty. <laughs> That's why I quit. <laughs> but you can get a pretty good four year like this that we just drank tonight for you know in terms of whiskey or bourbon for pretty cheap. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. So we're getting close to the end here, but I do want to touch on your fitness life and everything. Wait, I want to talk about my favorite drink. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about hell? that. What is your favorite drink? God, he loves cutting me off. You didn't even talk. You're over there cleaning your screen or something. <laughs> I got pizza juice on it. <laughs> Smell it. 
What's your, for later. What is your favorite drink? I, I'm old school, man. I like me a rum and coke, and I have to have me a screwdriver. Like, oh my god! Like old. I, do like I get that from my dad. Yeah, screwdriver you know, and a nice Arturo Fuentes cigar. Oh, good. see now you just hit the spot. Yeah. Where where were the cigars tonight? I'm, I'm a little we disappointed. Just, in we yeah. dropped, <laughs> I, I am. We dropped the ball on the cigars, right but we will Thursday night. You're gonna come over. We're gonna smoke cigars. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So so fitness goal like you kind of like drove my life into fitness. You changed me in terms of like years ago, <clears throat> 12, 13 years ago. You you've always been super into it, and I know now you're really kind of experimenting with training for this triathlon and yeah, um, just just. Talk about that a little bit for a minute. Yes. Uh, before I came on the show, when we were talking about just like kind of going back and forth on, you know, what we might cover, what, what might come up, I had thought about how it was interesting how you and I have always kind of played off of each other in our interests. That's like, awesome. If, if it wasn't for him, I never would be into music the way that I oh, am absolutely. now. I force fed him Metallica. Yeah, yeah he, he, I mean, he bought he, me the Master of Puppets CD when I was like eight years old. He's like, <laughs> listen to this. So this is life. The, and interesting, so. the interesting thing about it is, I mean, when me and we talked about him a few minutes earlier, Justin, I think we were off the air, but Justin Baggett or Justin Rojas Baggett, whatever he wants to be called these days. Shout out to you if you're listening. I apologize if I fucked up your name. But we literally forced Metallica. And I mean, forced, we like, hazed him he was gonna love metallica there was no choice about it he, was, there, he might not love metallica as much as he did back then but there was a period of time where we lived breathed operated metallica yeah we yeah we, metal was life it still is a huge metal head um got into drums when i was probably nine or ten years old and just fell in love with music it was a really good discipline in life you know it was uh something that you had to spend countless hours doing over. It's like jujitsu, you know. You got to do this this art, this until it's this muscle discipline memory. until it's muscle memory, and just I, I would just be I would watch these drummers play these beats that are just insanely fast and technical and all this stuff, and it just it spurred this interest in me to want to achieve that level, you know? Yeah. So it was really interesting. And that kind of carried over into fitness. Yeah. When I, when I first started getting into fitness, I mean, I'm the type of person when I like something, I'm going out into the YouTube universe. Nerding out, right? I'm going to nerd the hell out and I'm going to listen to it. And it, usually like I'll find that person that I'm looking for that's, talking my jam that's like oh i like what that person's saying yeah. that makes sense i'm gonna keep watching them and so <clears throat> i got into kind of like a powerlifting strongman phase for a little while i did that about four or five years um i was actually planning on doing a strongman competition in tennessee before i tore my acl um and that kind of took a turn after that um i, I tore my acl Messed my back up pretty bad at work and between all the lifting and stuff. Um, fell out of bed. I fell out of my rack. <laughs> that's, that's how you messed up. That's, that's not the old guy form of hurting that's yourself. Tall, I don't like, know what is. But. Totally like the hey, best. Back story. to favorite drinks. The McAllen. Double cast 15. Oh my God. Now you've just told totally, me. You just totally gave me like an orgasm right there. Yeah. <laughs> A drinkasm? I I I'm, I'm like, I'm like, is that what you were looking up over there? I have a picture of it. I have a picture of it. And I'm like, 
I was sipping on it, and I just remember going it's like the this. Memory of Steve. Oh my god, this is good. <laughs> and then I did what I did last night. He did I, I mean, who gave what I did brown belt in the first episode tonight. Technically, last night. Yeah, I guess you want to say we're almost <laughs> at midnight. Are we? Holy cow! And uh, I literally, wow. Just and they're like, it. you're supposed to enjoy that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I did. <laughs> and I, I got up. I got up. I went like this, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Let me sip this. I don't thing. think I've ever had that before. That's a it's good. That's oh yeah, it was it's really good. good. Is it? Yeah. They they have the uh, fifteen eighteen. Uh, I want to say. I think they got a thirty two. So yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> so that's all right. so triathlons right. like. That's so fun. Yeah. So when's the first one? Uh, first one will be August sixth, and that's where. It's, a, it's in Indiana, and it's actually a, it's a little bit different. It's an off-road triathlon. So it's mountain biking and trail running. Obviously, the swim is going to be the same. How, like no, off-road so swim. How long is the swim? Sense. This <laughs> off-road <laughs> swim. <laughs> I would love to do it. Uh, off-road swimming. Uh, it, the, the swim's 1,000 meters. And, For us uh, Americans, that's how long? That's not long at all. It's, uh, what's that, uh, 3,000... That's like 3,200, 3,300 Not even a mile. That's boring. It's it's really boring until you try to swim 25 meters and you suck. Like, I've gotten in a pool. uh, Listen, us Mexicans can swim that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you Puerto Rican? Same thing we swim. (laughs) I thought you guys float. Yeah, we swim from from there to Florida. Uh, You're really churching it up now. I feel like there's a barrel involved. (laughs) Paddle, paddle. (laughs) Motor boats. We customize everything. That's why the Coast Guard comes after us. I don't think they come after Puerto Ricans. You don't know that, bro. I think that's they Cuban. think we're Cubans. They yeah. think we're Shout Cubans. out to Ray Valdez, the best Cuban I ever met in my life. He's <laughs> yeah. my best friend. He's amazing. His dad, Juan Valdez, came over on the Freedom Flight. How cool is that? We grew that's, up with the goo. That's dope. I'm sure he'll uh, be listening. He listened to the first episode. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting change of pace. Um, is it uh, different than, I mean, obviously it's different, but like, what's the, like, in terms of powerlifting versus, you know, training for a triathlon? How's that? You, you know what? The, what the real difference is is time. Yeah. Uh, I could get in a good powerlifting meet or you know training session, go to jujitsu, be fine the next day, wake up, do it all over again, and now it's like I'll do one swim and I'll do a ride, and yeah. and it's it's just bottle I'd be broken. But but because it, it's such a long train, like you're. I mean, I'd spent an hour and a half on the trails the other day. And then I went on a swim and I did 45 minutes of swimming. You're talking two and a half hours of training and it's constant. You know what I'm saying? Like powerlifting, you, you do a set, you take a break, go go back. Yeah. Yeah. What's a good time in a triathlon? I don't even know. All right, so I, I know I left. I read David Goggins' books, and he talks about. He's right. not human. That, yeah, that's no, that's the, that's a whole different. That's have an read, alien. Have you he's read another level? Yeah. Have you read Living with Celia? So I have that one. I have that one it. on my Audible. Yes. Have you read Living with Celia? So can't hurt me. I did. Can't hurt me. And then someone was well, like, "You got to do Living with a Seal. Living with a Seal. Je- um, Jesse. Can't remember his name. Jesse something wrote the book. It's not written by David Goggins, but this Jesse guy, he's the uh, husband to the woman that uh, founded uh, Spanx, the company Spanx. And he invited David Goggins to come live with him and train him to be a triathlete. And Isn't it's crazy. Isn't he like a YouTube like, millionaire or something like that? Uh, he Someone's- made his money originally making jingles. 
Oh. Like he made the Atlanta Falcons jingle and the New York Knicks jingle. Like, but he talks in the book about what how like David, Go- like David Goggins <laughs> lived with him for a year and David Goggins would come in his room at like two o'clock in the morning and stand over him while he's sleeping in the bed next to his wife and be like, get the fuck up, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see Josh's face when he did that. He looked like the guy from The Shining. <laughs> Jack, Jack Nicholson. Johnny. I can just imagine that's the way David Goggins looked when he came in the room. I love David Red Goggins. Rabbit. Like he's one of my like favorite Get the people. Fuck up. <laughs> Get the fuck up, you pussy. So what's a good time though for? Okay, so uh, I don't know. Like technically speaking, you're talking Iron Man triathlon, all that road shit. I don't really know. I looked up the results from the race I'm going to. In the first place what finisher, you need to be at. where where I where I just even want to like aspire to like be like double his time. Let's say that the first place finisher had did he did the swim in twenty minutes. He did fifteen miles of trail riding <coughs> in an hour and fifteen, and he did the five mile trail run in forty minutes. Let me ask you this: Did you look up the guy on Facebook? No, I'm not that crazy. No, I'm see, not that psycho. I remember my first competition in jiu-jitsu. I was obsessed. Always. I, like, went to find the I guy still do. See, I didn't do that. I was, when I went oh to the God. competition, I was just like... I was obsessed. Mm-mm. I just went raw dog to no, that I was shit. So dis- <laughs> I was so <laughs> disappointed. You want to think, what's the first thing they're going to do when they hear judo, Steve? Remember? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're going to go learn some judo. I was, <laughs> I was super disappointed because in grappling industries and in OKC... Oh, that was such a horrible um, event. Yeah, it was a horrible event, but it was it was a fun competition because I actually got to fight Brown because you got me moved down a division. But in my division, there were supposed to be two like hobbyist lawyers that I was gonna fight, and I was ready to just like to totally destroy them. <laughs> and then Brown shows up. And they, they they both didn't show up. I don't. Maybe they had a court or something where they chickened out. Maybe they looked me up on Facebook and chicken. I don't know. I like to think that. I don't know what happened. Ooh, and they, almost, they had a pro bono case. I almost you can ask him. I I almost beat Brown. I was winning in I points. Was fucking love I was it, like bro. up. Really? I was up oh by four God, points. Bro. In points, I was up by four points, and he ended up submitting me. And then I got a foot cramp, and I ended up. You know, not finishing the Brown, rest, the rest I know of you're listening to this shit. When you do listen to it, you better not say anything otherwise because I got that shit on tape. Yeah. <laughs> so does John. John Dorero has it on tape. And I have it somewhere, but either way, he did. He'll, he'll he, be like, in the no, end, he moved. And, you know, I just, I, I capitalized I'm, on it. In the end, he did beat me, but in the beginning, <laughs> he went for an Osoto Guardian. I countered, I sprawled, and I got him in north-south, and then I took him to side control, and I was up in points by like four points like six to two i think at one point and then i ended up losing but i did win two matches that day because it was a round robin and i i did i think i got bronze that day didn't i i got two bronze medals yep. i don't know where the second one i think it came from that tournament i can't remember i think one was a pity medal yeah they probably gave me a medal although brown went to a match once where they ran out of medals and he didn't get his medal nice. so. they sent it to him in the mail but shout out to chris carlino he runs the most awesomest jujitsu tournaments up here and everywhere in the damn globe. Yeah, AGF is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so triathlons. I think that's a very. I don't know. That's, that's cool. I've. I mean, I, I've done the uh, the swimming thing a little bit in my life, and uh, I'm terrible at it though. I, I don't think I could. That ever. is, by far, one of the hardest things I've had to learn. And I, you know, yeah, I think like no joke. I, I you're pretty good at swimming, huh, Steve? Yeah, I'd like to go do some classes, some like master's classes and, and start to really dial in on it. I want to do this, this triathlon without doing it. And, um, good God. And, uh, 
But Good thing we're not live right now. <laughs> that's fake. Oh, absolutely. Injection. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. That's like those people that do the uh, synthol in their arms. It's like the Kardashians. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. like that. You're that's right. That's worse. The Kardashians are better than that. Like but she looks retarded. Like that. Yeah, looks, that's that's, that's not even who her. Or, oh yeah. I mean, Kim or which one is it? Kim with the yeah, Kim. Yeah, Kim. I mean, it looks dumb, but that I don't know what that's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> For those that, that if you guys want to know what I'm watching, uh, go on Tony Baker on Instagram and you'll see. Yeah. You'll what know I what we're watching. talking. We're not going to tell you. We'll just just tell you to go there. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting the triathlons, and I think um, I've always found like your your dedication to different things has always been interesting to me. Um, I mean, at one time you were like obsessed with. Uh, Growing your own food. <laughs> what did you call it? Like, you were going to start a business. Growing like, your what? Growing his own food. It was like, you were going to call this business like, what were you going to call it? I can't remember. It was That's like, a good question. Uh, you were going to teach hey, people listen, how to grow guys, food in their own garden. Oh, yeah. You um, need to get it's that. all you, man. Eat it. I'm good. But anyway, you've always, and I, and I think it goes to your addictive personality and mine yeah. too, but yeah, it's, sure. um, I, I, I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm thrilled to see your, uh, triathlon and see how it works out and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be that's, that's gonna be dope attention. yeah i want to be a little cheerleader on the sidelines yeah i don't know if i'll make it to idaho for sure but i'll definitely uh so follow you on youtube or whatever yeah i was telling josh i think uh I, i'm not really great with this tech stuff so i need to learn some more about it but uh i think i'm gonna start video logging the whole process i've got the gopro i've started some you know start doing more on instagram and, and maybe do some youtube videos just kind of Going through the experience of it all, I think there's a lot of people out there that would enjoy the off-road life. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, I mean, mountain biking I've been doing for a long time. And you talk about a fucking pure adrenaline just dump. Like, it's it's like going to a tournament for your first time, you know? Like, my adrenaline was off the charts. But this is like this, like, slow-release capsule of just, like, you hit a jump and then you're like twisting and turning and you're trying to like, especially like when you start training for an event, you start thinking about it different. Like when you're just out there riding, you're like, man, I'm having fun. Like whatever. Like I'm going to hit this jump if I feel like it. But when you're training for an event, you're like, okay, I like, I need to know where my heart rate is. I need to know how fast I'm doing this, these miles. I need to, once like, I hit this jump, I need to be at this speed. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if and, I hit that break too hard. <laughs> right. And, and I, and I need to, you know, when I'm coming out of a turn, I need to start accelerating again. Now, I'm not just out here like lollygagging, like I'm fucking training for something. And that's kind of like what I've always said to whoever I've talked to and whatever I'm doing, like when we have a shared interest, like I've talked to people with, you know, jujitsu. Like my actually one of my buddies at CJ that we worked with, yeah. he, he started training jujitsu down then. Uh, He's a Jackson boxer too. Yeah, Shout out the CJ Casanoble uh, Casa, Harris. Harris, one of my best friends, fucking great dude. Uh, yeah, he he started training and we were talking about it and I was like, dude, one of the best things you can do is sign up for an event because it it pushes your pushes your mind into that. I need to get ready. I need to get ready. It puts pressure and pressure can be good. You know, I was telling Austin the other day about, we were talking on the phone. I was talking about telling him about kind of how you have, I mean, not necessarily a hard rule, but you kind of have a rule that you really have to compete at a white belt level before you can get your blue belt. And, um, he, he thought that was a really, you know, unique and good idea, you know, like to, to challenge people and push them to be that, you know, to, and, you know, to, 
even if you're not comfortable competing and being on stage, it puts you outside your comfort zone. And that's kind of what martial arts is all about, right? Like challenging you outside what your normal comfort zone would be, right? Well, guys, we are at like almost a minute or an hour and 45 minutes. Holy cow. Yeah, we kind of ran forever tonight, but I, I think I think we had a lot of good points, and I didn't want to stop the conversation at any point, but I think we should wrap it up. I don't know if anybody's going to listen to us for an hour and 45 minutes. I hope you do, because I, I, I really thought we touched on a lot of good stuff, but I think there's a lot of good stuff in your story here that needed to be put out and, you know, um, for people to hear. I think, you know, we touched on, you know, sobriety and different things i think that can help a lot of people understand co-parenting um, co-parenting yeah fitness. Nah, it's been great i really appreciate you guys having me i on. think we, we, we're grateful to have you man oh yeah it's it was awesome, it was awesome man and and even for me like there's some things that you know just getting to talk to you and, and having you on and you know it's that second inaugural get really our inaugural guest episode because our first episode was just me and steve um i couldn't think of anybody else really to have. it worked out great that you were coming up here and having yeah, you on cool. as a second episode so Hey, if you guys are watching, uh, make sure you guys go to our Instagram. Uh, make sure you go on our Facebook page, share it, like it, subscribe on our YouTube channel. Um, we also have a Twitter. Um, show us some love. If you think you uh, want to be on the show, give us a shout at liftingothers at gmail.com or liftingotherspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up on our personal. And even if you have someone that uh, you think would be good to be a guest not even you maybe you don't want to come on but you think would be a good guest you know absolutely well make sure you guys hit us up we hope you guys enjoyed the show and we are out of here yep austin you're on instagram right yeah yeah austin underscore zl uh i i dabble in anything from camping in the woods to training fitness to telling really terrible dad jokes with my kids so it's pretty good out. instagram followers he's, he's single and he likes long walks on the beach yeah yeah We're trying to get him hooked up to here tonight all right guys <laughs> thanks for listening later